welcome once again to another episode of Destination Declassified, the channel that investigates the strangest events and conspiracies relating to UFOs and aliens, as well as the great mysteries here on Earth and beyond. As we continue to make major strides in the advancement of technology, connectivity, as well as the great discoveries across the vastness of space and neighboring planets, the desperate need for contact with alternative life has never been so great. To communicate with extraterrestrial life forms that dwell in the outer limit of our cosmos is a monumental task, not to mention a frustrating one. It goes without saying that tales of alien abduction, telepathic links, close encounters of all kinds, as well as the simple belief that such intelligence exists in the first place, leaves room for speculation and skepticism. If genuine contact was achieved, verified and confirmed by the governments, scientists and independent researchers who seek such evidence, it would change the world as we know it. Religion, science and biology would be questioned, and the possibility of interplanetary travel and sharing of data and knowledge could pave the way to an alternative future for our species. Without delving too much into the realms of science fiction, one cannot ignore the mysterious event that took place in August 1977, an incident that stunned the most distinguished professors at the time, as well as the world, when it was announced that we had indeed made contact with aliens. The WOW signal which was received through a newly developed radio telescope from Ohio State University, lasted approximately 72 seconds, but would captivate the cosmological society for decades to come. So what was the signal, and what did it sound like? Was it aliens? And what alternative theories have risen in the aftermath of such an eerie event? Let us open our eyes and ears as we dissect the strange case of the WOW signal of 1977, here on Destination Declassified. The event which took place on August 15, 1977, has recently resurfaced in the news, with many speculative theories attempting to counter the explanation that was concluded by the original teams involved in its analysis. For this video, as ever, we will look at all sides of the argument and allow ourselves the enjoyment of making up our own minds based on the evidence provided. Simply put, the WOW signal was a robust, narrowband radio signal, which was picked up by the aptly named Big Ear Radio Telescope on the evening of August 15, 1977, by astronomer Jerry R. Eamon of Ohio State University. If one listens to the 72-second clip of the transmitted signal, it ranges from near silence to a concoction of piercingly sharp, deep rustling and vibrational sounds which are both terrifying and fascinating to hear. According to scientists, 
the signal emitted from the Sagittarius constellation of stars, although unable to transmit clearly through radio waves, is the cover story for every astrologist when discussing the likelihood of life on other planets. So where, and how, did this short but sweet gesture make its way from the southern celestial hemisphere to a telescope in the heart of Columbus, Ohio? Very good question. The Big Ear Radio Telescope that captured the anomaly was designed and created by Dr. John D. Krauss, a physicist from the Radio Observatory of The Ohio State University. Known to have excelled in his development of demagnetizing technology for naval boats during World War II, Krauss first came up with the idea in 1955 when discussing astronomy and equipment for space discovery. Original design plans were produced to develop 600-meter-wide reflectors. However, due to major funding issues, the telescope had to be reduced in design and resource. Students were drafted from the university campus to learn various welding techniques to assist in the construction of the large reflective disk and its surroundings. Amplifiers and other stabilizing materials were funded by the university, which resulted in a massive double reflector telescope, complete with feed horn tracking antenna, and took almost 10 years to complete. The stage was now set for Dr. Krauss and his team to reach out to the cosmos, opening their minds and ears to whatever wanted to make itself known. In a 1959 paper issued by Philip Morrison and Giuseppe Cacconi, physicists of Cornell University, they stated that a method of communicating with extraterrestrial intelligence would be via radio waves. Using a frequency of 1,420 megahertz would be the most effective way, according to the experts, due to the natural emission of hydrogen, which is the most common of elements produced in the universe. Eventually, with this knowledge in mind, as well as a 1973 study of extragalactic radio waves, the big ear was set to become fully operational after being unused for several years. The telescope was appointed to SETI, the scientific search for extraterrestrial life, and was stationed on the campuses of Ohio Wesleyan University in Delaware. Due to its limited functionality, the ear was only able to move in altitude above the horizon and was dependent on Earth's rotation for visibility and scanning purposes. This is where things become a little more technical. The capturing of observations and sound from space had a limited timeline of only 72 seconds. This was calculated based on the speed of Earth's rotation, as well as the width of the telescope's observation window. This window would begin with silence, peaking in sound and clarity at the 36-second mark, before reducing once more, if indeed there was something to detect. Luckily for Jerry Eamon, this window was all that was needed to spark a lifelong speculation and mystery concerning aliens and their possible communication with us Earthlings. A volunteer at SETI, astronomer Jerry R. Eamon worked on the project as a manual data processor, examining and evaluating massive amounts of data on a daily basis. As the majority of funding was invested into the physical materials and structures, 
as opposed to that of data analysis, Eamon was kept busy with the constant search for signals, using basic computer materials and printed paper. On the evening of August 15, 1977, Eamon was working on his usual assignments, when, at approximately 10.16 p.m., the frequency and magnitude of a signal change from the big ear issued a recording that would eventually leave him stunned. A few days later, when the data was fully analyzed and printed from the lab's computer, Eamon would circle the intensity reading of 6EQUJ5 with a handwritten message of astonishment next to it. Wow. And so, the justly named label was attributed to the mysterious translation. When listened to, the shivers must have crept up the spines of Eamon and his associates, as the signal was recorded as a continuous wave of sound. Yet the variety and blending of noises heard on the track is anything but steady. Naturally, the first protocol was to reattempt the connection with the hope of recording and comparing the signals. Unfortunately, this would never happen, nor would it in the frustrating years that followed. However, after strenuous scrutinizing of the soundbite and its calculations, the source of the haunting sound was confirmed as originating from the Sagittarius constellation of stars. Even better news was that only one of the feed horns was able to detect the noise, which narrowed the search down even further for the team. Eamon would combine the provenance of the 72-second excerpt with the measurement scale of the signal, which was based on bandwidth, and conclude that the wow signal oddity was that of extraterrestrial intelligence. At first, the declaration from Eamon and his fellow experts was of shock and surprise. Had a major scientific project detected and communicated with aliens from another planet? Rumors and interests spread like wildfire, especially within the cosmological and zodiac societies, as there was no immediate explanation to counter what was recorded on the evening of August 15th. Skepticism would eventually form, though, in the aftermath of the initial bombshell, when fellow physicists and scientific bodies began to offer their own definitions and interpretations regarding the signal. Some determined that it was merely a man-made signal from a militarized satellite or reverberation from the moon itself. Others suggested shooting stars meteor debris, computer glitches, and even interstellar scintillation, which is the variation of intensity recorded in both time and frequency. Despite numerous rebuttals of such suggestions and proposals, Eamon himself would begin to wonder if what was captured on that evening was in fact something else entirely. In 1994, during an interview, he would question his initial conclusion by stating, we should have seen it again when we looked for it 50 times. Something suggests it was an Earth source signal that simply got reflected off a piece of space debris. He related this statement and alternative speculations to that of the hydrogen line. As the signal's frequency was stated as being 1420 megahertz, the frequency that occurs during changes in the energy state of neutral hydrogen atoms could be a reasonable explanation for what the telescope picked up. The 21 centimeter wavelength line appears within the radio spectrum and can easily be observed 
as electromagnetic energy passes through the Earth's atmosphere with little to zero interference. Hydrogen line observations have also been used to calculate the mass and dynamics of individual galaxies, so may explain where and how the short burst of sound was gathered. In 1987, and again in 1989, in an attempt to achieve the same reception as Eman, Robert H. Gray, the American data analyst, astronomer and author of The Elusive Wow, Searching for Extraterrestrial Intelligence, would reach out to the stars for answers. Using the Harvard-Smithsonian META radio telescope at the Oak Ridge Observatory in Tennessee, Gray would use his experience in scanning the skies and studying the stars to detect the entity once more, unfortunately to no avail. Being an independent SETI researcher, Gray would use his position to reattempt contact again in 1995 and 1996 using the Very Large Array Telescope based in Socorro, New Mexico, which was significantly more sensitive than the Big Ear. Results never came as close to that of the WOW signal and would ultimately lead the determined analyst on a worldwide search, stretching across numerous locations in pursuit of contact with what he believed to be extraterrestrial life forms. Though he would never garner major credible evidence based on the initial theory, Gray would be recognized for his efforts, as the Atlantic magazine would describe him as the WOW signal's most devoted seeker and chronicler, having traveled to the very ends of the earth in search for it. Next to take the challenge was Antonio Paris, assistant professor of astronomy and astrophysics at St. Petersburg College, Florida, and graduate of the NASA Mars Education Program. In 2017, Paris claimed that a hydrogen cloud, which surrounded two known comets, 266P Christensen and P-2008 Y2 Gibbs, were in the same vicinity of the sky at the exact same time of the original signal in 1977. The professor and his colleagues believe the signal came from a hydrogen cloud, which would have been following either both or at least one of these comets. His basic reasoning for this would be that the comet, which caused the WOW signal, would have continued to pass through its path in orbit, therefore never to be seen or heard from again, a once-in-a-lifetime event, so to speak. It wasn't just individuals who were inspired to replicate the aspirations of potential alien contact. The National Geographic Channel, whose intention is to cement itself as leaders in science, exploration, and education, in relation to Earth and space, produced their own project in 2012. On the 35th anniversary of the WOW signal, and in collaboration with the Arecibo Observatory, a compilation of approximately 10,000 Twitter messages from various people, including celebrities, were beamed to the scientific satellite Hipparchos. Encouraged by the sounds, which were recorded by Eamon and his team, the idea was to entice alien intelligence and life forms to recognize the mixture of sounds, voices, and images projected into the ether by Arecibo scientists. The messages were beamed at 30 times the power of the average radiation from deep space, but as yet has not been acknowledged nor gained a response from our alien brothers and sisters. 
attempts to make contact using various methods, techniques, and repeated practices have generally fell on deaf ears or generated little progress. However, as recently as November 2020, amateur astronomer Alberto Caballero appears to have found the source of the activity that sparked the wow signal phenomenon all those years ago. Founder of the Exoplanets channel on YouTube, Caballero is no ordinary astronomer. The stargazer was actually lead coordinator of the Habitable Exoplanet Hunting Project's discovery of the GJ3470C exoplanet in July 2020. An exoplanet, or extrasolar planet, is a planet outside the solar system, and GJ3470C was considered the first to be fully discovered by amateur astronomers. After his achievements in the detection of the wandering star, Caballero turned his attention to the signal picked up by Eamon in 1977 by publishing a scientific paper in November 8, 2020. Claiming to have pinpointed the source of the abnormality using 3D star mapping technology, Caballero identified a sun-like star, which was nicknamed 2MASS 1928192-2640123 and located approximately 1,800 light-years away. Such mapping capabilities, provided by the European Space Agency's Gaia Space Observatory, he was able to focus in on the various sun-like stars within the vicinity of the original signal. In the end, Caballero was able to narrow his search and select 66 star candidates. However, it was the two-mass star that emitted its radiance from the Sagittarius constellation. As of today, Alberto Caballero, amongst others, are determined to zone in on the culprit once and for all, with updated 3D mapping systems being created every other day. Perhaps we're on the verge of solving the mystery in our own lifetime after all. Let's see what happens. Until such time as the WOW signal is identified and attributed to something more concrete, we are still left to question and wonder what was emitted on that evening in August 1977. Was it extraterrestrial intelligence trying to make themselves heard from the deep vastness of space? Was it a newly formed star or exoplanet that has developed so quickly that ordinary people such as Alberto Caballero are able to seek and find? Or was it something more sinister, a warning of something to come? Whatever the case, it's worth appreciating the attempted efforts and endeavors made by those who seek the truth, wherever it may be. As time has progressed, the belief that we are the only living creatures in the solar system and the everlasting cosmos is becoming less and less of a concept. More than ever, people are beginning to accept that through technological advancements and space exploration, the possibility of life on other planets is highly likely, and that communication with such entities is not far away. That is unless we have been in contact with them long before 1977. What do you think? We hope you enjoyed this episode of Destination Declassified. Perhaps we can return to the story in the future with the answer to the question that we all continue to seek. Are we alone? Take care, 
and see you in the next episode.